0: Well, let's dive in this morning. Today is Mother's Day, and, uh, and we love we love the idea of celebrating mothers. And, and I want to – let me just find something real quick and make sure I have it up here. Yes. Nope. I don't know if it's up here. Hold on. Um, so in the context of uh, Mother's Day, I have lost that sheet, Randall, that has my, that little uh, thing that I'm doing about moms. You can find it real quick. Let me see if I have it right here. It is right there. Fantastic. So, yes, Fantastic. <clears throat> Now, let me just go ahead and, for in transparency's sake, I'm doing something I don't normally do this morning, which is a sermon redo. Um, I'm doing, I doing a sermon a couple of years ago on Mother's Day, and as I began to really kind of pray this, this week into what God was speaking into vintage as a whole, and specifically then tailoring that message to moms, I was reminded of a sermon I did two years ago. So if you were here in 2015, this is a redo. If you weren't here, it's a brand new message, right? And, uh, so it'll be good. But I, I, I want to go ahead and give you just a heads up in advance what we're going to be talking about. Because I really, I really want you to, to focus in. I'll just say this. It's, it's geared towards our moms and geared towards women. But it really is a word I feel like God's speaking to our entire body in this season. Okay, so it's for moms, but it's for all of you. And the idea is this idea of identity, of really knowing you being confident in who you are. Like Jesus, the idea is real simple. We're supposed to agree with Jesus, right? Like in what he thinks about us. That if he believes something is true, then we should believe that's true also. And so, a minute ago, Harvest was singing, and remember, and, and she and she, sang, she turned that song around and, as if God were saying, you are good to us. And the idea is that that's what God said about creation. He created, He created human beings, he says, and they're good. Right? And, and He never changed His mind. Like, they're good that we're good. He's created us in His image, and, and we may have, there's sin in our life, but when He views us, He loves us. And you under, and you get it. Like, you understand this idea and this tension about identity for those of you who are parents. Because each of us, when we look at our children, we love them no matter what's going on in their life. Right? Like, they may be just in horrendous disobedience in life, but You still love them. You can't not love them. It's like it's it's in you. They were born. They didn't do anything but cry and you loved them. And so this idea this morning of identity is like it's not based on what you do. You can't you can't produce this love from God for you. It's just who he is. And you get that as parents. And so in the idea then of identity this morning, God wants to begin to awaken an understanding inside of you of of who you are, regardless of what you've done. And you get it as parents who who have maybe walked through elementary and especially middle school years and especially high school years. Right. And you look at your children and they come home and someone's been mean. And what do you feel? elation and joy no man like you the, the dads want to fight who's that kid who said that Gotta beat him up right the mom's like oh I'm so sorry and inside what do you feel you feel torn why because your children don't know what you know about them you feel the tension you feel the turmoil, right? You pray for them. You you wrestle with God, right? You talk to other moms. You try to finagle things to make sure they can have friends, right? That people are like, well, you know, suicide a rough day today, and like, and you're trying to make a point to that parent so they'll go to their kid and say, "Were you mean to set me up <laughs> here?" Whatever, like you do these things. You feel the tension. And so I believe in this season that God is looking at us, who feels this is the language and the voice that we hear, like the thing we feel God's speaking, like that we're spiritual orphans. That we live as if we are orphans, that we don't have a father and a mother, father who loves us specifically, right? And a mother heart of God loving us. And so in this moment, I feel like God's speaking. This awakening, you're heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, sons and daughters of the living king, and that defines who you are. So moms this morning, that's the language, that's the direction. So in Proverbs 31, you know this scripture well. It says, this is the end of the chapter, her children rise up and call her blessed. Talking about moms, talking about wives, right? talking about women. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Like, just press, just press pause. Husbands, when's the last time you praised your wife? Right? And you're like, oh, shut up, Steve. Keep on going. Keep on going. Get to the other part. All right? No, that's part of it. It's like you should just stop there and go, oh, that's the conviction that Jesus talks about, about speaking truth where I've not been following him. Right? This morning, literally, in the first service, I read that and I teared up. So I'm like, I don't do a great job of that with Randall. I, w- I felt convicted. Like I literally felt the weight of Jesus. I, I had tears well up and I had to stop. I'm like, oh God, I'm sorry, Randall, I'm sorry. It's like I'm not good at that, right? But that's what it is. And also praises her, 29, many women have done excellently, but you surpassed them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is vain, right? Because we find women find identity in these things. So do men sometimes, right? But a woman who fears the Lord she is to be praised. These are these concluding words after a beautiful and honoring description of a mom, of a wife, but most importantly, a, a woman who fears and honors the Lord. And it's therefore it is good and it's right this morning to celebrate Women, not just moms, but women who are influential in our lives, right? because we talk about moms and Mother's Day. But the fact is this, all of us, not just one or a few, but all of us can speak to other women in our lives over the years outside of our mom who has had unbelievable and dynamic influence in our life, can't we? You can name them by name. I've told you the story of Mrs. Mize, my second grade teacher. I told you two years ago, right? Mrs. Mize, my second grade teacher, who when I was 15, going through honestly the most difficult season of my life, I, I would—I realized looking back, I was actually probably clinically depressed. I didn't realize at the time. My parents did not either. But I really was, right? And all of a sudden, we get a phone call one night. My mom answers it after dinner. She says, hello? Yes, this is Kathy Hambrick. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Oh my gosh! How are you? And I just, I just like you know this talk talk and it was obviously two women who were talking. You know what I'm saying, right? And They were. Like, oh my gosh! I'm gonna write the whole thing. And so and 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 all of a sudden she he goes she goes yeah hold on here here she is here he is here he is and hands in the phone. I'm like who is it who is it? She goes you'll know. I go hello and she goes Steve. I go yes this is Mrs. Mize second grade teacher. I was seven at the time seven and eight right and now I'm fifteen. She didn't have her number. This is what she said. She had no children of her own. And she called. And she said, hey, listen, you've been on my heart for the last several weeks, and I've been praying for you every day. And I just I didn't have your number, so I picked up the phone book. Thankfully, there weren't many handbricks. but I just started going through. There were three before us, so we were phone call number four. And I'm just so thankful that I found you because I just want to tell you what I feel like God's been speaking about you to me as I prayed over you. I'm like, okay, all right. And she just said, he just wants you to know he loves you. He is for you, and he has plans for your life. I hadn't seen her in eight years, but she had influence in my life. And so when we're here today, we celebrate moms, but you know, we celebrate you, all of you, who are influencing anyone with a mother heart. And you know what I mean when I say that. You're influencing them with a the mother heart. So I want to read this piece of paper I couldn't find a second ago because it's for you. To those who gave birth this year, I've it before. To those who gave birth this year to their first child, we celebrate with you. To those who lost a child this year, we mourn. With you To those who are in the trenches with little ones every day and wear the badge of food stains, we appreciate you, right? To those who experience loss through miscarriage, failed adoptions, or running away, we mourn with you. To those who walk the hard path of infertility fraught with pokes and prods and tears and disappointment, we walk with you. And we say, please forgive us when we say foolish and stupid things. We don't mean to make this harder than it is. To those who are foster moms... We need you mentor moms and spiritual moms. We need you to those who have warm and close relationships with your children. We celebrate with you to those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance with your children. We sit with you to those who have disappointment, heartache, and distance. Again, we sit with you to those who lost their mothers this year. We grieve with you to those who experienced abuse at the hands of your mother. We acknowledge your experience and we mourn with you. To those who live through driving tests, medical tests, and the overall testing of motherhood, we are better for having you in our midst. To those who are single, long to be married and mothering your own children, we mourn that life has not turned out the way that you longed for it to be. To those who step-parent, we walk with you on these complex paths. And to those who envisioned lavishing love on grandchildren, yet that dream is not so, we grieve with you. To those who will have empty your nest in the upcoming year, we grieve and we rejoice with you. To those who place children up for adoption, we commend you for your selflessness. Remember how you hold that child in your heart. And to those who are pregnant with new life, both expected and surprising, we anticipate with you. This Mother's Day, we walk with you. Mothering is not for the faint of heart. And we recognize you as real warriors in our midst. And we're thankful for you. This morning, let it be said, in all the context of these types of moms that we just named, we value your lives and the seriousness of, Which, with which you fulfill the call as you sacrificially love, care, and give your life for those that are part of your family, whether, whether they were born into your family or you just kind of grafted them in to loving them. We all know as parents and as men and women, when children enter into our lives in any form or fashion in that moment, our identity shifts. Right, Our identity shifts. We, we now take on the role of parent in some form or fashion. And that role and that calling, you recognize it changes you forever. Once a child comes into your life, you're never the same. Your calling and your life, it changes. And in some form or fashion, you now become defined by being a parent, and specifically this morning by being a mom. But here's the tension. The tension that you will face this morning and the, the, the tension that you faced and you will continue to face is not allowing that identity as parent and as mom to overshadow your primary identity and calling in life. I would say this morning before you are a mother, you are a daughter and you should never reverse that order. Your greatest value in life is defined not by being a great mother, but by being a great daughter to your Heavenly Father. A daughter who lives aware of your undeniable and great value to your Heavenly Father. Who loves you to the very core of your being. Your identity, listen, your identity as mother, is always and must be trumped. By your identity first as a child, as a daughter of the king. You cannot forget who you are. For who you are as God's child is ultimately what you bring to the table to impact the children who are part of your life. If you have it in reverse order, then you have lessened the impact that you can have in your life. Relationship with Jesus Trump's relationship with your children, and if it's vice versa, then hear this, your children have become idols in your life, and that cannot be so. Yes, they're of utmost importance, but that identity as a daughter of the king is what gives you the type of influence to lead and to guide and to challenge your children to who they're called to be to fulfill their purposes in Christ. And so this morning, you had to do an identity check. Where do I find my value? Where do I put my greatest energies, in being a mother or in being a daughter? Obviously, you know I could preach the same message to dads on Father's Day, right? And so dads are off the hook. You have to recognize the same thing, right? It's first as a son of God. And I recognize when I say this, some of you squirm, and that's good. You recognize, wow, I want to make sure that my relationship with Jesus trumps everything, so I actually have something to offer my children. We all know moms struggle, like all human beings do, but moms struggle all the time with their value and their identity. They struggle with their effectiveness. They struggle with their worth. Because they live and we all live our lives aware of other people. You think about people from your past and you think about that you could never measure up to who they are. You watch other moms in their lives like I could never measure up. And and, and just unfortunately we now have social media where people create fairy tale lives that no one can measure up to, right? Like you get it. Like literally we showed this picture and Randall kind of mentioned it. Like in, in social media world we literally out of a hundred pictures we picked the good one. Right? Your children have been screaming, 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 hateful, 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 and then you catch them in a good moment of smile, like, that's a picture. You're like, oh, I just love my family. Right? And you know, you hated them right then. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You wanted to strangle their necks. But you, cre- you create this picture. We do set the picture a second ago. Literally, this beautiful picture right here of these guys who, who were on the Appalachian Trail. Everything looked perfectly sunny and beautiful. Literally, they Pitched their tents right there, all of a sudden, in the moment, and all of a sudden it began to rain. And then it hailed. And then it snowed on them. Literally, within like an hour, right? Like, it looked fairy tale. It wasn't. It was real life. But we literally create these moments. I mean, listen, I loathe the fact that our people, people in this room, sometimes even ourselves, we literally create. An environment to take pictures in to show our social media fairy tale life. And the problem is, it's not real! But we create a fairy tale that other people think they need to live up to, and they have, listen, listen, I know people. I know people, and I'm not naming names that are not in the room, but I know, some, I know people who literally I watch their Instagram feed them and go, their life is a living hell, and everyone in their life thinks it's awesome, and it's not. They've been suicidal in the last couple of years. I mean, this getting real. Should probably cut that out of the podcast. And it's true, because we live and create this unrealistic lifestyle that we then compare ourselves with in fairy tale world. And fairy tales were never in scripture. He says, "When you suffer trials and temptations of many kind, when listen, all the disciples died, horrendous, painful deaths, and that's the expectation that we should have and celebrate." And shockingly, it doesn't happen to us. Life is hard. And when we then compare ourselves with a fairy tale life that's just not real, that we'll never measure up to, then we live our life unrealistically unaware of our identity as a child of God who says, I define you, nothing out here. So, in your value, what defines you? Is it because do you look at somebody else who's parenting? Do you know that every parent who presents themselves as being perfect? on social media are doing it because they know they're not and they want to create an unrealistic world that they can believe for themselves? Does that make sense? If I just create this and I can look at it and celebrate it, it's not real. And so God says, because I only can define your identity, only I can come and speak into your moment and into your life and give you the truth about who you are as as a daughter of the king, As a co-heir, which means that Jesus took you from back here and brought you to here and said, you're with me. We have to allow true identity of how God views us to begin to define us as moms and as women. So here there's a few things this morning taken from scripture to begin to show how Jesus defines us, how Jesus has celebrated us and continues to do so. Luke chapter 8 verses 1 through 3. He says women are part of the family. This is a big deal in the New Testament. Women is part of the family. Luke eight verses one through three says. Soon afterward, Jesus went on through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. He was trying to create a very new and a new real reality for them, a kingdom of God. And the twelve, you all know them, right? Let's all name them. I'm just kidding, right? And the twelve were with him, and also some. What if I called you out? This said, hey. Emily, named the 12, the 12 disciples are like, oh, right write the freaky yeah, out, not gonna do it. So anyway, so also some women who had been healed by evil spirits and infirmities. So the twelve were with him, and also some women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had been gone out, had gone out, cast out demons from her, it's a pretty big deal. And Joanna, the wife of Cuza Herod's household manager, and Susanna and many others who provided for them out of their means. What's going on? These women And many other women had experienced the movement of of God's love in their life. God, Jesus had expressed God's love into them, the healing work, right, of calling them, expressing the kingdom. And their response was simple. They devoted their life, they devoted their time, they devoted their energy, they devoted their resources, their financial resources into the ministry of Jesus by traveling with him and being part of his spiritual family. Do you know in John 17, he says, God, the most the most important prayer in all the scriptures. Jesus prayed it, John seventeen. Go read it, and he says, Jesus, God, Jesus said, Father, I thank you for those that you have given me, and you know that they're the twelve, but Luke was making sure we knew it included the women also. Family, all part of the family. He Jesus is going against the culture and saying, I recognize women as being equal with men and I bring them up as part of my family. The second thing we see then is the idea of them being disciples. That's what they were when they followed Jesus. They were disciples. And Jesus speaks into this reality in Luke chapter 10, 38 through 42. Real familiar story, I'm not going to read it, but it's when Mary and Martha have their little butting of heads, right? And they come into their, the Mary and Martha. See, Mary and Martha's house, and Mary, excuse me. Martha does what every woman in the culture did. She left the room, went into the kitchen to prepare the meal for the men. Every guy's like, "Amen," right? That guy's like, "I'm not doing that. My wife's sitting next to me. I'm not going to say that," right? And so, in the moment, right, Mary and Martha. And Mary, what does she do? She's like, ah, nah, nah, and she plops down right in front of Jesus. And all the men we just know are kind of going, what is she doing? She's not supposed to be here. And then Martha looks around, reads the room and goes, Jesus, would you tell Mary to come in here where she's supposed to be with me? And every guy's going, exactly. Let yeah. it go, Martha. Mm, right. Okay. Mm. And Jesus responds in verse 42 and says, first, he goes to Martha, Martha, why are you worried next about so many things? And he goes to verse 42. One thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion Which will not be taken away from her. And there was the mic drop in the moment. The room grew silent. Because in the moment, Jesus spoke to Martha and to every man in the room. And he said, listen, Mary is my disciple. Like the men in my care. And you cannot take it from her. That's the idea. The language here is the language of discipleship. It's the language of a disciple. Listen, she's chosen what's best. What is best? To sit at my feet and to learn. For it's better to be With me than to do for me. And I'm honoring her that she is one of my disciples like the other twelve. And that's why Luke makes it a point to say, and here are all the other disciples, the women that he named, for they are equal with these men in the calling that they had on their life and their identity they had as sons and daughters of God. This is huge because he's calling them equals in the moment, in calling. He's calling them equals in the sense of who they are in the context of the kingdom that they had. The same impact and the same calling and the same expression of love from the Father to them. Identity in the moment. And then, Jesus, we see this back even in the Old Testament. God makes it clear. God the Father makes it clear as he calls women as redeemers. Women as redeemers. When looking back at the Old Testament, it's interesting. I was studying it this week that God literally had called women in amazing ways to be used in the Exodus. In fact, Jewish rabbis today would say this. I'm just quoting this. It was it was to the merit of pious women, or religious women, that Israel owed its redemption in Egypt. So we love telling the story of Moses. He was, a, he was a precursor to the Christ, the anointed one, the redeemer, the one. Jesus set the Jews free. Moses set the Jews free. We see them kind of equal, but I would say this. It would not have happened apart from four groups of women or four women. Moses would not have been a redeemer. He would have died in infanthood. As a child, if not for women. In Exodus chapter 1, Pharaoh recognizes the Israelites, the Hebrews, are growing too large. He goes to the women who were midwives, who, who basically are the ones who give birth to the, all these children, the ones who kind of help in the birth, right, midwives. And, and in the morning he says, hey, listen, when a Jewish male is born, I want you to kill them. So that Israel won't grow too large. And these women... Good, God-fearing Jews, it says in Scripture, Exodus 1, says, and they feared God and didn't do it. And this is what they said. Oh, Pharaoh, you don't know Jewish women. They are really stout and strong. And they just give birth before we even get there. We can't do anything about it. He goes, okay, all right. And like, shoo. Because God blessed them, gave them wisdom. We go in Exodus chapter 2. We're told that Moses' Mo, Moses's mom gave birth and she hid Moses. So that no one would know. So Pharaoh wouldn't know, right? And hid him for as long as he could, defying the Pharaoh. We go in Exodus chapter 2 again. We're told of Moses' sister. When Moses, they take Moses, put him in a basket, spit in the river. And who follows? The sister. She sits down there, she runs, and she runs, and she follows down, she follows down. She makes sure the basket gets into Pharaoh's daughter's little bathing area, and then she shows up into the bathing area and says, Oh, hey, Pharaoh's daughter, there's a Hebrew child. And she's like, Oh, my gosh, look at this child. And the girl just goes, Hey, we need to find you a Jewish woman to come in and just to kind of breastfeed this child. That's a great idea. Thank you. Seeing the divine wisdom of God empowering the small girl to be innocent as a dove, but wise as a serpent? Or we come in and see Pharaoh's daughter, right? This royal mother who was willing to adopt a child that was not her own and not even of her own culture to raise him as if he were. See the thing I want you to recognize this morning is we talk about our identity and who we are. We talk about being part of God's family, about being daughters, about God, raising up women and raising up these daughters of God, ultimately to be em- listen, to be empowered by God's spirit, to be redeemers in that world and in the world today. Where is your identity? Where do you find your value? What is it wrapped up in? You are not second-class citizens. You are not powerless. You are not weak. You are not helpless. You are daughters of God, disciples of Jesus, and redeemers of the living God because of the Holy Spirit in you. How do you define yourself? Do you define yourself this way in the Scripture defines you or in some other way? Do you define yourself as a failure because of a false world over here that you believe to be true or what Jesus says about you every day about being a daughter of his who he loves and couldn't not love? And you understand because you love your children, dependent not dependent on what they do. And God loves you and has called you. How do you today as a mother, as a daughter of God, define yourself? He wants to move in you. Proverbs 31, 20 to 30. Her child rise up and call her blessed. Her, her husband also. And he praises her. Many women have done excellently, but you surpass them all. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is vain. But a woman, hear this, a woman who fears, who has ultimate reverence and respect in the lordship of Jesus, she is to be praised. She is to be praised. This morning, I encourage you. Where are you in the context of relationship with Jesus, of having reverence for him, of knowing who he is and who you are in his eyes? Do you see yourself and define yourself the way that he does or the culture does? God is fighting for you today to be defined as a good parent. He's fighting for you as you fight for yours to step into the reality of who you are in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your presence. We thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your great delight in us. I thank you for our women. Father God, they are really defined in so many different ways, but all the ways that I named as foster parents, as step-parents, Lord, as as bio parents, as grandparents, as spiritual aunts and uncles who are parenting in some way. Father God, we, we thank you for our women. I pray, Father, wherever they're struggling today as mother, and that reality and whatever it looks like, I pray for those who just say, oh, I have nothing to do with this holiday. I pray, Jesus, you would awaken them to that fact. That's not true. That you put your spirit upon them for the purpose of being a mother of some sort to someone that they're influencing. I pray that you raise up Mrs. Mises all over this room in Jesus' name. I pray today, God, where the enemy has literally fed a lie to our women sometimes for over 30 years. God, I praise you that instantly you can speak truth and lies are broken and new lives can be lived. Nothing separate from these new lives, Jesus. is what I'm asking for. So Holy Spirit, would you come? They've got a couple of things in our ministry time. We're about to pray for the joiners here in a second. They are moving to Colorado pretty, very, very soon. And we want to basically do most people who leave. We want to try to commission them out and bless them as they go. So if we come into ministry time. We're going to walk up front right here to invite friends and family and and, and leadership to come around them and just to bless them as they go. So we'll do that here in a few moments. We'll have ministry teams available on both sides. So wherever you are, ministry teams, you can go ahead and come forward. Ministry teams are here simply to minister to you, to pray for you. they are people just like you who are walking a life similar to the life that you're living and they want to come alongside and just pray for you. And the difficulties of your moment, the difficulties of your life. They want to bless you and encourage you and speak life into you and bless you. If there's anything else you need healing for a breakthrough and restoration, we want to pray for that this morning, also in these ministry times. Communion available right here, and it's available every Sunday, just to remember Jesus died so you could know who you are. He died the good news of Jesus. He could set you free, He could save you. And that he can speak truth into you. The gospel is much bigger than we imagine it. It is Jesus speaking truth about everything that is true into our lives. So I invite you to come this morning in prayer. We have our offering baskets available right here. If you came, this ready to get this morning.